Dude, we don't care who listening and who not listening. About a little pacer pod. Ooh, fire! Look out! Look out, ladies and gentlemen. That intro music is hot. It's coming in hot. <laughs> uh, well, there you have it. The first, the first song on the pacers pod. It took a little bit of effort. But even someone who has zero skills uh, when it comes to editing or putting anything together on the computer, (laughs) uh, I got some music together and I'm going to put it on the podcast. So hopefully you enjoyed that. That is... Uh, let's see, I got it from this website called freemusicarchive.com. The artist's name is Sixth Sixth Sense, and you can hear that if you catch it in the very beginning. When it's like, we don't even care who's listening. It's like, Sixth Sense. Anyways, uh, track's called Hippie Robot Instrumental, and I've kind of mashed it up. That little part at the end, It's I was trying to figure, I did like a test test recording and i just mashed the two together and it just so happened that like it kind of fit i don't know i thought it sounded pretty cool even though it doesn't make any sense um but yeah there it is we've got it we've got a cover or not a cover but a intro song it's new year's january 1st it's uh 3 45 in the afternoon and things are looking good Pacers are winning basketball games. Um, Healthy. Uh, Got good things to look forward to. Um, Had a nice New Year's Eve with uh, family last night. And was able to take some time this afternoon to think about what it was that I wanted to... what, What would... I, I took time thinking about what like a successful 2019 would look like and what are some things that I want to prioritize where are the how do I want to be devoting like my time and my interests and my energy um, and just by taking that second to think about things and to write them down it sure did make it uh, it makes me motivated because I see I believe, I guess, that if I'm able to kind of do what I wrote down, that I'll be able to get what I want. And so this is something that I started doing a couple years ago whenever I first got introduced to Jordan Peterson. I think Jordan Peterson was on the Rogan show, I don't know, a couple years ago. And like, I tried, I, I started just, I don't know, something clicked with me and with uh, Dr. Peterson and uh, I started writing down like little things that I wanted to get done on a note card the night before 
And I did that for probably a solid year, like most days writing stuff on a note card. And I found that most of the time when I wrote stuff down, I did it the next day because I'm like, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's like a secret or, or it's not a secret, but it's there's something about knowing that at one point I was going to do this or I wanted to do this or it was important to me then. Um, it makes it more powerful uh, in that day when you need to do something that maybe you would you could push off till tomorrow. Put it that way. I know my wife's like she's killing it. She started doing this note card thing like I don't know. I mean, it's probably been a couple months now and she's she's really good about it. Like she oh, she always gets her stuff done. So anyways, that's a really good skill. And I was thankful that I had time today to take a moment and, um, you know, come up with sort of a game plan for 2019. And I'm feeling excited about it. It's one that I want to do. And I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it'll do me well. We'll see. Time will tell. Um, the Pacers have been playing. Obviously, they played the Hawks, let's see, the night, last night, uh, New Year's Eve, and my last podcast was on Sunday, so there's, this has been the only game since the last time I was on here, and uh, the Pacers got the W against Atlanta. Um, one of the things I, I came across was an interview that Dad Young did when he said, they're asking about what the Pacers' resolutions would be for 2019, and Dad said to stick together as a family, which that's good. It's like we want we want the Pacers to be, uh, you know, good feelings about each other. We don't want any an upset locker room. So that's good. You hear about that, too, like that the Pacers have like a really good locker room. Um, I wonder how much of that goes to Oladipo versus just all the guys or, or what. But uh, the other thing that Dad Young said that I thought was really interesting was he said, get the number one spot. So... You know, a lot of times players will say they don't really look at the standings or like they'll give answers like, oh, you know, every game is just as important as the next or whatever. This is kind of a little insight into knowing like the Pacers are aware that where they're at in the conference right now, they're sitting in third place. I think that they probably believe that they haven't played their best basketball yet. And they probably also... Um, you know, know how important it's going to be to not only get home court in the first round, but I think to get one of those top three seeds, which means that you'll get to play one of the weaker playoff opponents in the Eastern Conference um, and not and avoid having to play either Philly or Boston, Toronto or Milwaukee in the first round. So that's why I think it's super important that the Pacers actually do get a top three spot. And um, so I like that dad said get the number one spot. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, the Pacers went up against the Hawks yesterday, third time this season. Uh, they got another win. They were wearing their beautiful statement yellow jerseys, which happens to be the color of my new, my newly owned Victor Oladipo jersey. Um, I was wearing the Oladipo jersey, so we're now 2-0. and uh, You know, matching the team. It was cool. Uh, I noticed the Hawks are super bad. You know, like they they have some decent pieces, but they are just, there's a reason why they're one of the worst teams in the league. And they had Alex Pointhris, who, if you've been following the Pacers at all, 
over the past couple seasons. He's been on the team. Um, he's been on with the Mad Ants. But he's a guy that just he's six foot nine. I think he's got like a he's got a great NBA body. So he's somebody that I think coaches would want to play if he was able to show them things that um, you know were good for the team when they're trying to win. But uh, he never was able to put that together in Indiana, and he's on the Hawks now. Um, and he was the first guy off the bench for the Hawks. So that just shows you kind of the level of uh, talent they have on their roster. They have good players. Like I really like their young guys that start. You know, I actually kind of they sold me a little bit yesterday. I really like John Collins, who is that power forward. He shoots the ball really well. He's got great form. And last night, I think he ended up with 19 and like 16 rebounds. He's a monster on the glass. Um, I like John Collins as a player. And then, you know, seeing the the rookie backcourt that they have, the the Warriors East, you know, kind of built off of the the Warriors model of of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. The Hawks have uh, Trey Young and something Herder. I don't know his first name. I actually didn't. I he's got when you look at his last name, it's kind of it doesn't just pop at you as how to pronounce it. Uh, and so there was something whenever I was he started hitting threes, I was like, damn it, I'm gonna have to figure out what this guy's name is. They said he played played at Maryland only one season, and it's that last year was the first year that I really didn't pay attention to the Big Ten. So he just went under my radar, but. Um, him and Trey Young are. I, I see. I see what they can do. They they create a ton of space. Both of those guys because they're they uh, they're not afraid to shoot from deep. And last night they were hitting. Herder had four threes in the first half, six for the game. Trey Young had four threes for the game. So combined, you know, they hit ten. Like those are those are like Steph and Clay type numbers, and they created just a ton of space. One of the things I was thinking about was. I forget what I was listening to, but somebody had mentioned a four-point line in the NBA, and my immediate reaction is just like, "What? That's crazy! Like you can't do that!" Or like, uh, but then I was thinking, well, I mean, imagine what people thought whenever they introduced the three-point line. It's like it's always going to be weird until it happens, and then you just adapt. Because now it's it's a it's it would be crazy to think of the NBA without the three-point line. Like they would never take the three-point line away. So maybe that's kind of the future of it. Like maybe there'll be like the whole court will be worth point values. <laughs> uh, if that app, if that happens, or even if they introduce the four point line, the, the Hawks are set up, man. Cause they've got some young gunners on their team. Um, it was a slow start for the Pacers. Kind of like always. I think Atlanta was up 15 to 11 at one point in the first quarter, but they turned it around, um, brought in Sabonis off the bench, him and Corey Joseph, and they played that lineup with Turner and Sabonis in at the same time. And I think it was also Oladipo and Corey Joseph were in there too, but the Pacers went on a 15 to one run and they were just dominant. Like they were flexing on the, on the Hawks. Um, but then uh, end up going into the halftime, 63 to 60. So close game at half. Uh, the Pacers luckily got a three-pointer at the buzzer going into halftime by Miles Turner. And um, 
but it was a close game and it was kind of one where you're like we're at home um we're about to go on a five game road trip like, let's just take care of business um and then coming out it was so it's kind of like well why are we only winning by three although it always felt like we were in control of the game even though the score was close um it just kind of felt like we were toying with the hawks a little bit but uh coming out out of the uh halftime the interview was with assistant coach bill baino and he he broke down the defensive game plan for the third quarter where the Pacers were going to trap Trey Young. And, you know, he broke it down in a way that made a lot of, no, I shouldn't say made, like it was, it was cool. Like he's, he's, it's, it's cool to learn from people that are, you know, high, high, at the highest level of their craft. And so um, he was saying what the game plan was going to be. And then you just watched it in the third quarter and it's, that's exactly what happened. And it was executed perfectly. So Trey Young would get the ball and coming uh like if somebody would try to come set a screen for him or anytime basically you know he had the ball out or past half court the pacers would throw two guys at him and trap him make him get the make him get the basketball out of his hand because trey young was hurting us really like um he had hit some threes and he's making some good passes he's getting into the lane and doing his little thing um that is until Corey joseph came in and locked him down but uh yeah baino was saying you know this is what we're gonna do and then you start seeing the Pacers trapping and getting the ball out of Trey's hand. And then the rest of Atlanta just couldn't do anything. And so after the third quarter, the Pacers were up 16 points. So they went plus 13 on the Hawks in one quarter. Um, and so then the fourth, let's see, like, oh, well, in the fourth, the Hawks kind of came back. But I think they got it down within six. And uh, the Pacers ended up winning, though the game and one of the things was Oladipo, Turner, Sabonis, they all were over 20 points this game, which was awesome. Um, kind of going back to what I was saying in the third quarter when they were doing trapping of Trey Young, I, I had this thought of, because what was going on would, like, Dad Young was getting steal after steal. Um, he blocks, like he was just insane and I was just looking at I was watching the team I was like man this team is crazy good right now like we were just shutting down the Hawks all the momentum in the world and uh huh what was I gonna say oh just the fact that Thad Young was super good at defense and I think I, I need to get back on the in the right here and take back some of this Thad Young slander that I've I've talked about earlier on in the season um you know I guess I'd say two things I think Thad Young number one is perfect for this Pacers team right now and in this year and maybe he is a better player for this team to be in the role that he's in right now and not to take like a second fiddle type role where he comes off the bench and start Sabonis um, so I get that, and I think that's probably what's going to happen this year. I don't, though, want this to be how we build for the future, um, meaning that, like, if Thad Young comes back, which I would love for him to come back, I think that, well, I think I would if he was willing to take, like, a, a bench-type role and get Sabonis starting. So 
anyways, I think that's great. And he really showed it on defense. And then I was thinking about how good, how individual, how much individual talent the Pacers have on defense. I mean, if you look at last year's first team all defender, Victor Oladipo, you know, on the perimeter, you know, he's incredible. He gets so many steals. Um, then you, I mentioned Thad Young, locked down Giannis Antetokounmpo to 12 points. Eastern Conference Player of the Week, a lot of that based off of his defense. Uh, and then the NBA's leading shot blocker, Miles Turner, at in the paint. Uh, and then also you throw in Corey Joseph, who I would like to see start, actually. You know, it's like, those are really good defenders. And it's kind of it kind of reminds me of that Memphis team that had like the uh, Tony Allen, Conley, Marcus All, uh, Randolph. Although like Randolph wasn't great at defense, but just like some exceptional elite defenders. So I think it'd be interesting to see if you know Turner or Th- or Thad, for that matter, end up on any of the all defensive teams this year. So. But then I also had a bad thought about defense, and it was this is just kind of nitpicking a little bit here, but something that I it was annoying me last night watching the game was um, Victor Oladipo was, and I feel like this is something that happens often. I'm gonna something to watch for, but like there were three occasions during yesterday's game once I started noticing it that he when he's closing out on a shooter or not I shouldn't even say shooter just on somebody who's about like the getting that's receiving the ball from the perimeter when he's doing a closeout defensively he just is just getting burnt like bad three times he fell for like a pump fake I mean just he goes sky high and it's like if the guy's shooting it it's like okay I get lunging at it uh just to kind of like almost like scare the guy, you know, like let him know that it's not going to be a wide open shot, even though you can't get there to block it. Um, So I understand that. But these three times, the guy didn't shoot the ball. And all it did was just take Oladipo completely out of the play. He goes soaring, soaring by as this, as this Atlanta Hawk guy gets to now make a play five on four. And so he's putting in, putting in the Pacers They're you know, they're playing exceptional defense, but when Oladipo gambles like this for blocks, um, and Turner does the same thing when he goes for blocks um, underneath and leaves the rebounding lanes wide open for the other guy. It's like you got to pick when you're, and you got. I mean, in my opinion, right? Like you got to pick. You got to make sure that when you reach for something, that your percentage of getting it is pretty high. Like I understand sometimes it's you. Ne- you never make a shot you don't take, right? Um, true, but how many possessions are we? You know, if this was a better team, we, we could have used those three possessions um, to maybe get a stop, you know. So, battle a depot. <laughs> Anyways, um, that was something I, I noticed. I was like, Come on, man. But overall, Oladipo's been great. Oh, yeah. So, he's chasing, he's chasing after these blocks, but I looked up his numbers because I'm like, I don't really think he ever gets to these balls. Like, it'd be one thing if you see him actually get a, a, a block or two, but he's only had two blocks in the last 10 games, like since he's returned from injury. He's only got two, so uh, that's not even half a block a game. So you're you're telling me you're going to, what, start, like, stop trying to get these blocks. 
keep sticking to the steals though because he's been so good at everything else. Um, his Oladipo's points have been down a little bit, but when you look at the team, I think that uh, when Oladipo was out, right, like Turner started scoring more, Bogdanovich started scoring more, and now that Oladipo's back, he hasn't taken on as much scoring as he had before because it's now resting on Turner and uh, Bojan, which is excellent, and and Sabonis and um, Collison and Tyreek, you know, the whole and Corey Joseph and Thad Young, like just all these guys that can ball. Um, so Oladipo isn't having to do quite as much, but it's on the scoring load. But he's definitely picked it up in assists, rebounds, steals. Um, seems like every every night he's getting at least six, at least six to eight, nine assists, and uh, same with the rebounds. Plus, he's you know still going to be right around twenty points a game. So he's doing great. Uh, he's he's still an all star. Uh, but what, and then something else that you know, has been really encouraging lately has just been the uh, addition of Miles Turner. Like, he's he's starting, starting to string together games, enough good games that it feels like it's more real than just fluky. Um, which sucks with what happened to him in this game. Uh, you know, and I apologize. Well, okay, I was going to apologize because... I, I did a podcast earlier today, but then messed it up when I was trying to put the intro music on it and somehow lost it. So I'm just doing this for the second time. I don't remember if I talked about Turner getting his nose broke in the game, but he did. Uh, it was the third quarter. He was playing really good. He had 20 points, eight rebounds, four assists, four blocks. We're talking halfway through the third quarter. He had these numbers he goes up for a block uh, on Collins and ends up taking a shoulder, I believe, to the face. Uh, broke his nose. But uh, he was playing so well. But just, just overall, Turner's been just this month of December, he's, he's, he's really, really been promising. And one of the things he's been doing great is shooting the three-pointer. He struggled mightily at the beginning of the season. But his three-point shot's coming around. It looks really good. I love how it's got such a nice high arch to it. So like whenever, when Turner shots go in, it it's just so wet. You know, it's like splash, water out of the pool. Um, it's beautiful when it goes in. And so, uh, man, I just love that Turner's been hitting the threes. Like I hit on earlier, you know, protecting the paint. He's been, he's leading the NBA in blocks. He's changing every changing everybody's shot because they know he's hunting for blocks, um, and overall he's he's still only twenty two years old, and he's he's got some you know he's an emotional player. Um, I think that now that he's his numbers and his game his his numbers are backing up the kind of player that he sees himself as, and that's important I think especially for somebody who's trying to you know get some confidence and. He, you know, it's it's just great to see it starting to click for Miles, and it makes you as a Pacer fan super excited, knowing like, okay, maybe it was a great idea that we signed him to that contract when he was kind of struggling at the beginning of the season, because um, it felt like we might have overpaid a little bit getting him for seventeen million a year, but if he's if he plays like this the way he's playing right now, even at just twenty two, 
um, he's a steal for $17.5 million a year. And who knows what he could be two, three years now from now. I mean, he could be a real bargain. Um, so that's a really good thing for the Pacers if, if Turner can uh, continue to develop. And uh, so it just sucks that he broke his nose right now. Um, however, you know, it could, be a, it could be a blessing, and I have a theory. I'm thinking when, when Turner comes back, so he, the next game the Pacers play is Friday, and so he'll get four days. Um, he's getting fitted for a mask right now, so it sounds like he's going to not miss any games. I'm sure it sucks wearing that mask, right? Um, vision is probably impaired. It's probably super hot, and sweat would probably build up. Uncomfortable. Um, different. So it'd be hard to do something that you're used to not having to wear that on. Um, but what I'm hoping comes from this is that he does the one thing that uh, he maybe he can channel the anger that he feels towards that mask into being a little more nasty and gritty on the court and like start holding your own underneath the basket against some of these bigger guys because that's one of the big things the big weakness I see in Turner's game right now is like, okay, you go up against Joel Embiid, you go up against uh, really anybody that's much bigger than you, and you're getting pushed all the way under the basket. You're getting rebounded over. Um, he gives up really good stat lines to opposing big guys, um, even though he's getting these blocks. The big, big guys. Not like... Um, I don't know, like Lowry Markinen or somebody's like a little thinner, but against the big bruisers, Turner gets pushed around. So he's going to be wearing the mask. Might as well embrace it, feel the pain, um, inflict some pain on some people, and, you know, earn back some respect because we got to have Turner. Turner has to be able to ha handle um, Embiid better than he did in that first time we, in the first game we, get, we played against Philly. Um, if he can't handle Embiid more, then Pacers are going to be in serious trouble if we get matched up against him in the playoffs. So that's what I wanted to talk about, Miles Turner. It's been great. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do this next year. One thing I was just noticing is Aaron Holiday has been getting a lot of did not or DNPs, um, meaning that you know he's just not getting put in the game. I know Tyreek Evans is back from a little bit of an injury. That he, he missed a couple games, but seems like the minutes just kind of shut off for Holiday, and I don't know. I think that's kind of unfortunate because we've been playing against teams that you'd like to see him be able to play against, but I don't know. Um, just something I noticed. I kind of miss watching Aaron Holiday play. I always wish he was in um, with that second unit, uh, especially when, McDerm when McDermott's not shooting well. And Tyreek's kind of giving you a average to blah game. I'm like, man, let's put in Holiday and see if we get that spark. Um, but that's not what's been going on. And let's see, what else here? I mentioned that the Pacers play the Bulls on Friday. That's going to be the start of a five-game road trip. And starts it out in Chicago, where actually my brothers are going to be at that game. I'm jealous of that. They... Uh, they got those for Christmas. They got pre they got tickets for for Christmas. Um, Pacers at Chicago. I wonder if they're gonna wear their wear their Pacers gear, um, or if they're Chicago fans. No, they're definitely Pacer fans. Um, let's see. So that's on Friday. 
Then the Pacers go to Toronto again on Sunday. So that'll be a tough one. Then at Cleveland, at Boston, at New York. So these next five games, I'm specifically looking at the the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics going into both of those two teams' house and um, give them a run for their money. Like let's see, let's see if that game against Toronto last week was the real deal, where you know the Pacers were up 15 points in the third quarter before kind of coughing the game away in the fourth. Or maybe that's like one way you could look at it is that the Pacers are just as good, if not better, than Toronto. The other way would to say, well, Toronto just started playing the way that they're capable of playing in the fourth quarter. Um, and then the demise of the Pacers was a result of the Raptors playing. And so really the Pacers are not in the league of the Raptors. But we get a chance to see that. And same thing with Boston. And it's going to be on the road, two great tests. Let's see if this momentum that we feel um, has got some real uh, kind of moment. Like, let's see, how do I want to put this? Like, is it just the fact that we're kind of benefiting from a soft schedule? Or is, is this team truly, truly, truly one of the best teams in the, in the East? And can they, make, uh, can they make it through the season as the number one team in the East? Right now, they're only they're less than two games. It's either two or a game and a half behind Milwaukee, and we know we've got at Milwaukee at least two games this year. So we'll see. It's exciting fan, exciting time to be a Pacers fan for sure. Um, there's there's a guy that asked me about it at work. Uh, he's like, I'm starting to see it. You know, like he he's kind of getting into it a little bit, especially now that uh, well the Colts are in the playoffs, but. Um, once football starts to die down, people will look for something. And it's nice that the Pacers are, are doing well. So I think that's all I've got for episode 20. Hope you all enjoyed the intro. And we'll talk to you later. Peace.